Hello, and you are very welcome to our latest episode of Bookbirds. I'm Kira Garrity. Hello, I'm Caroline Grace Cassidy. Very welcome. And today we are going to be discussing our first American author. Yeehaw! Uh, yeehaw! And her name is Anne Tyler. Anne. And uh, Anne, oh yeah, I'm a big, big, big fan of Anne. She is one of the most prolific writers that I know. She's in her 80s now. Wow. She started writing in, in her early 20s and um, she's just literally never stopped. Um, and I can definitely say that she has been one of my big influences mm. because I read the book that we're going to be discussing, by the way, I should probably mention that, uh, is The Accidental Tourist. um, Accidental Tourist. Yeah, Anne wrote that in 1985. I don't think I read it in 1985. I think I actually, my route to Anne Tyler was through the film. In fact, I think I saw the film first. Mm, Me too. And then, because I wasn't aware of Anne Tyler, and then I went, I I realised, I heard that um, it was based on a novel by Anne Tyler, and then I went looking for her. And it was, it was a very happy moment. It's one of the... My that my reading highlights one of, of your life. finds, one of your Definitely, literary finds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and um, even though I wasn't a writer back then, I didn't start writing until I was thirty four. Mm. Um, and I read Anne for the first time in my early twenties. Um, she's definitely a huge influence on my yeah, writing. Yeah, you can see that. You can yeah, definitely I see how she shaped you. The, oh well, thank you. Mm, I take that as a huge mm, compliment. Mm. I love the way she writes. She's this lovely, quiet, observant way mm. of writing. Um, and Anne, you know, she didn't have the most conventional upbringing. Her parents were Quakers. Wow. And um. They lived in a commune for much of Anne's formative years and she was homeschooled. Wow. So she says um, that that gave her, you know, when she kind of emerged out into the world and she went to, you know, university mm. and that, um, she felt like an outsider. She Not in a bad way, mm. but that she was always kind of on the periphery uh, looking observing, in, I'm yeah. observing, yeah. and I think that has informed much of her fiction, yeah. all of which is absolutely fabulous. I actually haven't read all of her 24 novels, but it's definitely shame on you. I know. What am I like? What are you doing all day? <laughs> I don't know what I've been doing with my life. <laughs> 24 um, she has 24 wow. now in mm. fairness uh, I've read many many of them yeah um, this particular one The Accidental Tourist is probably remains my favourite it's one that I have reread not just you know once For but this. a couple of times right. it's one I go back to because it's actually also a mass as well as being a brilliant story mm-hmm. it's a master class in how to write a novel yes. you know it's uh, it's just it, it's very very well done and, there, and there's an enormous sense of resolution at the end which is incredibly satisfying. It is very um, satisfying, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Now, Anne was shortlisted for the Pulitzer Prize for this novel. She didn't win it for this novel. She won it later for Breathing Lessons, also an incredible story. Um, and uh, she's been shortlisted and longlisted for the Booker Prize. She's incredibly um, prolific. She's still she's, writing. She's still writing. Wow. She's, she's basically says that she has no hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if she wasn't writing, she would literally have nothing to do. Wow. And she's it's off hap- her soul, yeah, isn't it? Really, you know what? She's just one of those writers that if she mm. never got another contract, um, she'd still write. Yeah, because as you say, it's off her soul. It's yeah. in her bones. It's in her DNA. It's what she absolutely has to do. Um, but you can but, see, I think, in the characters, we'll, we'll give a little snippet now into what the accidental tourist is about. But you can almost. It's somebody who observes people so deeply, isn't yeah. it? Like from the physicality to like things that go on behind the eyes. And it's just yeah. really intriguing. Yeah. 
and you portraits. can tell she's just deeply interested in, in in what makes people tick. Yes, and she's really curious, and I think that's curiosity is one of the main traits mm. of a good writer. Yeah. You know, the you Renee have Finchy to be curiosity. Yeah, yeah that eavesdropping yeah. quality. Um, Oh, I kind of read this with envy because she says for the first 40 years of her career, <laughs> she didn't, she refused to do any publicity. Really? Now, can you imagine getting away with that today? No. <laughs> like there was no social media, obviously, yeah. but she just said no. Wow. You know, and I don't know any writer could get away with that. Now we're all, oh, Definitely I don't not. know, no. you know, selling our wares. On Why body. do you think that was? Is there le- was there less books? She just said that, that she wasn't the... The, the, the interesting bit about wow. her stories or her writing it wasn't about her it was about her novels but her publishers just said fine yeah. you know whereas nowadays it's almost you know they they pluck Instagram. take off your clothes <laughs> dance on your head <laughs> no it's all about like how many followers do you have on yeah. Instagram are you an yeah. influencer yeah. and uh, you know th- these are actual questions that yeah. writers now mm-hmm. get asked mm-hmm. whereas back in the day Anne just said no 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 I'm just writing these quiet little stories about um, families oh, they're all about families yeah. they're all set in Baltimore yeah um, she basically I didn't says, know that actually yeah 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 no she basically says she'd been writing the same novel over and over again for you know the last 60 years wow. but it's not true because I mean families it's like you know Leo Tolstoy says in, in the opening line of uh, Anna Karenina um, you know happy families are all alike but it's unhappy families are unhappy in their own particular way. And that's wow. that, that's where Anne goes. Right. You know, that's yeah. the that's the land that mm. she that she mines. You the know, small for, stuff for is story. the great stuff. Yeah. You know, I think that we forget about that sometimes as writers as well, is that you're trying to you know, do it all or yeah. everything has to be new and unique and, um, and you're trying to come up with this great plot, yeah. this high concept. Yeah, concept. That's the word I was Whereas looking for. Whereas yeah. yeah. Anne just takes a yeah. family yeah. in Baltimore yeah. again and again. But it's never the same story. It's and it's always, always fascinating because I mean, every, everybody, that's the one thing we all have in common. We all come from families. Yeah. What, whatever shape or Form. size they are. Yeah. They're all families, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's a microcosm for for society, for community, for the world. And you you're know. tapping directly to your audience because everybody yes, can relate to being in a family. Yeah, absolutely. So the accidental tourist, as I say, is what we're doing today. So we'll just give you a little flavor for those of you who have not read it, which you will obviously do when you've listened to the podcast. So Macon Leary is a travel writer who hates both travel and anything out of the ordinary and has a fondness for method, shall we say. His series of guidebooks are called The Accidental Tourist. They're for businessmen who also hate to travel. He advises his readers on how to avoid human contact while traveling. It could be very good in the day of COVID. Where to find American food abroad and how to convince themselves they haven't left home. So really, he hates to travel at all. Anyway, when Macon's wife leaves him, After the death of their son, he moves back home with two divorced brothers and spinster sister Rose, safe (laughs) among the people he'd started out with, and cuts himself off from the rest of the world. Almost against his will, he becomes involved with an unconventional dog trainer, Muriel, who helps him make the journey from lonely, self-absorbed man to coping with his loss and taking control of his life. Disgust. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, even that synopsis makes me want to read it all over again. Like the characters in this novel are so fabulous. And like, it's hilarious as well. Like it's so dark because this is the first of Anne Tyler. This is the only of Anne Tyler's novels, as far as I know. 
um, that features a murder right. and not just a murder, but a murder of a 12 year old <gasps> boy, boy. Yeah. you know, who it just happened. He's at camp. He's with his pal. They skip a class. They go into a burger joint. It's held up a gunpoint. And um, the man, the, 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 the guy, the gunman um, gets his money. And it's only when he's leaving that he kind of turns around and says, oh, hang on, wait. And then he shoots Ethan in the back of his oh, head. It's horrendous. Like, it's horrendous. And the so if only is like, I don't know how you'd ever yeah, get over that. No. So the, the story opens mm-hmm. a year after this. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that Anne decided to to kill so their son so yeah. violently. But also I think if you're going to write such a, you know, that sort of plot, it's it happens in the first chapter. It happens you know, in the we're, first we're told chapter, yeah. in the first chapter, yeah. you know, that, you know, Megan is driving <clears> with his wife in this awful rainstorm. It's also metaphorical. And then we, we find out that their only child has been brutally murdered. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> welcome now, to chapter one. I have one. to say, um, when I read it first, I, I just completely accepted all of those details. Mm. But rereading it now, uh, you know, as a as a more mature lady <laughs> uh, with my cynical world weary eyes. I would have said sexier lady. <clears throat> oh, thank you. <laughs> Um, I think I, I don't know why Anne Tyler murdered the son and mm. um, I kind of think like Macon Leary is not a particularly likable character and no. mm. uh, he's very closed off he's very buttoned up um, he, he there's no passion or excitement to him everything is very ordered perhaps was there in her mind before this all happened was no. he a different no, person no he was he was always like he's this always like he was that. always like this so I actually struggle now to to understand the why, horror of that well why she had to do it I don't mm. think there's any need for her to do no. it because I think the story could actually operate very well the only thing I can think of is because Macon is not a likeable character so maybe she felt like to sort of you know gay, engage really, our our sympathy to have something really tragic to happen. something really tragic happen mm. because like you know this is another thing we were talking about earlier like could, could this book get written today mm. I mean your main protagonist is you know it's, it's, it's <laughs> let's dig into Macon <laughs> Macon Leary yeah I mean he is a middle aged white cis middle class man who is sad yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like very sad you know it's like would you would he get any sympathy <laughs> I want to read about him <laughs> Who wants to read about him now? You know, in today's 2022 yeah. lens. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it will be di- a, a difficult sell, mm-hmm. or, or at least a more difficult sell than it was back in 1985. Because, you know, he's just this, um, he's just not very, I don't know, he's he's boring. Yeah. He's got all these systems. Yeah. Very he's, non-charismatic. Yeah. Um, he doesn't seem to have any agency in his own life. Like, no. as you were saying, he's, he writes Nothing these, to give to society. Really, yeah, he's he? not, all, all he really knows about is um, how to sort of secure himself and yeah. save himself from anything unfamiliar in the world. Yes. And I think he's just this accidental tourist in his own life. Yes. And then what happens is, his wife leaves him. Yeah. He moves back home, not just to his parental home, but to his the his ancestral home nearly. Yeah. He's where him and his siblings were raised by their grandparents when they're, you know, um, flighty less mother. Than, <laughs> less than maternal, <laughs> shall we say. Left them in the capable, but kind of dour yeah. hands of the grandparents. And, Which is um, really traumatic. Though. Very I mean, traumatic. Again, very um, dark and tragic and, oh, yeah. my goodness. I mean, that's uh, to feel I, unloved that much as a child and yeah. abandoned. And, and unsafe. And unsafe. So he's made it his life's work to, be to basically create yeah. these systems 
around himself and um, you know where he what feels, are some of the systems oh my god they're crazy they're just absolutely <laughs> crazy so he's got this thing with the sheets so he seems to have I, I mean I've read it so many times but I still don't really get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's sewn his sheets together <laughs> like I don't know loads of sheets yeah. and then he basically shuffles them over after he slept in them you know for a couple of nights and then so he, so to avoid the laundry yeah. I mean it's a hell of a way it's to go very strange <laughs> behaviour <laughs> very odd yeah. but it's kind of like he said he's sewn them up like a body bag yeah. and it's almost like he is kind of dead inside yeah you know and I think he was like that you know before he you know his marriage broke up well before his son was killed actually because like Sarah you know when she's talking to Macon when she's telling him that she's leaving Mm. um she says you know one of the final straws was um she said to uh, Macon after Ethan died um I just don't really see what the point in life is anymore and then Macon says well I never really saw the point and then she's just like okay I I can't (laughs) I cannot coexist with somebody (laughs) like you anymore and I think if Ethan hadn't died that she would have left she would have left anyway I do wonder what she saw on him in the first place what did she see (laughs) in make and then what does Muriel Pritchett see in him like so anyway so he is so they've split up and he's moved back to the oh he has an accident um first of all and he breaks his leg so he has to sort of move back in with his remarkable siblings his remarkable (laughs) like I think he actually has a kind of a mini breakdown when yeah. Sarah leaves him yes. because his systems kind of he cranks up the systems to an absolutely bonkers bonkers yeah. Yeah. level <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's insane yeah. what he goes through and then um, and he's all he, so he's living with Edward that's the Welsh corgi mm-hmm. who's Ethan's dog yeah. and he's living with Helen the cat mm-hmm. and he allows them to sleep with him and then he's got the, these systems in place whereby at a particular time in the morning um, something bings or something clicks and, and then the popcorn maker yeah. starts up it's crazy it's crazy yeah. so anyway yeah as you say he has an accident, so he has an accident. And, and, and also I think Edward the dog obviously has a has a huge purpose within the novel and yeah I, think, you know, I love Edward the dog he's, so he's, he's so an complex. dog he's very complex <laughs> and I think we were talking about this when we were rereading that you know Edward has has the emotions that Macon should have. That's like exactly he's angry it. and he's biting and he's fighting with the yes, world. And he's so angry. Yeah. He's so cross. He's so bewildered. And he, yeah, you're absolutely right. He has taken mm-hmm. on the role yeah. of, 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 you know, uh, he is Macon's, you know, reaction. Alter ego, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. he's his alter yeah. ego. That's yeah. exactly it. And, um, and he's, he, I loved Edward and, and the car- his oh, characterization. So he brings, so obviously Edward is, is a naughty doggy, shall we say, and <laughs> he won't, they won't let him be um, kenneled because he's bitten somebody. So Macon trying to do his job, which is a travel writer going off to travel, he needs to find somebody else to mind him, enter Muriel Pritchett. Muriel Pritchett. One of the greatest <laughs> characters ever I, written. I think that's probably why I love this book so much. It's because of Muriel yeah, Pritchett. Yeah. And like the neighbour, Macon's old neighbour, when Macon uh, goes to live with his siblings, his neighbour comes over with his mail and he goes, and he's talking about Muriel was looking for him and he goes, is this girl, this is skinny girl, skinny <laughs> yeah. girl wearing pedal pushers <laughs> looking for you. Um, skinny girl with hair. <laughs> I mean, she is so tall. She's so skinny. Her 
style is just how so she, how fabulous. Anne writes her though. I mean, you just literally could. I don't know this. I don't know what it is. We've all written descriptions of characters with skinny legs and and big boots, and but there's just something about Muriel Pritchard. Yeah, that she like, just bounds off bounds the page. Off the pages. Oh my you know, god! And her hair, Completely. Is crazy yeah, even her hair. dialogue and how the, the first thing she says, and she's just so unconventional. She's so unconventional. But what I do like about her, like you know, there is a bit of is she a manic pixie dream girl? Mm. You know, and um, those that stock character from like central casting we need a girl who can cheer our main character up you know we need someone that our main character can fall in love with and you know so who changes his world view that's and, just and, her purpose uh, yes yeah. whereas okay muriel pritchett like rereading it now i'm like what did she ever see mm. in macon but all she's how old she's in her early 20s mm-hmm. or maybe maybe mid it doesn't actually say but she's definitely in her 20s yeah he's 42 mm. you know so there's huge um you know age difference age between difference. them yeah. um like she's this fabulous bouncy chirpy cheerful hopeful Glass optimistic yeah. yeah and like he's just this dour you know like expressionless curmudgeon yeah. he just there's no joy and she falls for him immediately she falls for him <laughs> immediately but now I think looking at it through my yes. cynical yes. Um, you know world view eyes um, I think that she sees him as a bit of a meal ticket and good yeah. for her right. by the way yeah. yes yeah. because she has a, a, a child as she well has a child. on her own doesn't she yeah Alexander mm-hmm. who's kind of sickly and fragile and she's a single mom so you think any man who came in with the sort of um, the look shall we say of being a businessman she was going to try and grab I think so mm. I do think so um, and it's not opportunistic it's just it's survival. Mm. Uh, Muriel has ha- hasn't had a an easy life, no. you know, and she's and you know she's working class, mm-hmm. and Macon is certainly middle class, perhaps upper middle class. He hasn't even been to her neighborhood or anywhere. Yeah. You know, she lives in in this working class neighborhood. He's never even been there, even though yeah. it's in Baltimore where he lives. Which, as far as I know, I've watched The Wire. It's not that big, <laughs> right? He could have passed through. So, so Muriel. Yeah. So what's what's fab is like Muriel's a foreign country where she lives as a foreign country. Her whole world is a foreign country. So yeah, Muriel bounds off the pages and leaps into Macon's very reluctant arms. Yes, yes. Which is kind <laughs> of um, incredible to think of as well. Yeah. But yes, she does. And obviously, I would say she brings him, I think we were trying to discuss this earlier. She brings him into this other world that he didn't know he needed. He would have liked to avoid, but he did need and, you know, he, he when he does go into the neighborhood, he starts to kind of, you know, befriend the neighbors there where he was doing everything to avoid his own neighbors. His own neighbors, yeah. So it's yeah. almost like he was trying to to find something that yeah. would please him in yeah. some way. And this comes in the in the form and the shape of Muriel and her That's it. Soul. I mean, it's total. we can see why he would fall for her. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. because as he says himself, to, uh, Muriel, despite her apparent unsuitability, could raise her chin sometimes and pierce his mind like a blade. He goes on to say that he loved the surprise of her and also the surprise of himself when he was with her. In the foreign country that was Singleton Street, that's the street where Muriel lives, he, Macon, was an entirely different person. And I actually think that in that little nugget, Anne Tyler delivers to us the meaning 
of love, mm-hmm. of what it means to love and to be loved. Yeah. Because it's it's yourself, it's himself that yeah. he that so has he surprised feels. him. Yeah. yeah. Because he's an entirely different person. Isn't that fascinating? Muriel. It's so gorgeous, it's though. It's beautiful. But what is she getting out of it? So, you know. Yeah. Now, he, he, he moves in eventually. Mm-hmm. And yes. he, I think what... I think Alexander, her fragile son, is a big draw. Is a big draw, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. yeah, he shops the pooty there. Yeah. You know, as they say in Jerry Maguire, um, and uh, because obviously he's got a gaping hole in his life yeah. in the shape of his twelve-year-old mm-hmm. boy, um, and you kind of also get that impression in the book that himself and Ethan were also very, very different. You do, and yeah. that that was he was twelve when he died. But you know, had he lived, his fourteen-year-old self, his fifteen, yeah. sixteen, was going to find reasons yeah. why. Because Macon was always terrified that something was going to happen to That's him. That's like right. Constantly trying to don't go here and don't go there. Yeah. Always. So his worst fears obviously came true. Listen, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. I do think the package of Alexandra is is something that. Su- Really suits him. Yeah. You know. But you know what's kind of funny? Like, um, so Muriel basically became a single mother literally days after Alexander was born because she was married to Norman. <laughs> and, Just the uh, name says it I all, know, doesn't I know. it? But they were kids. Sorry, Norman. Like. <laughs> Sorry if you're married to a Norman. <laughs> <laughs> like they were, they were so young. They got married and she said they were kind of play acting yeah. and they were in a house and they were like going grocery shopping and cooking dinner and all this kind of stuff. And then she gets pregnant and uh, Alexander is born prematurely mm. and he's delivered by cesarean section. She can never have any more children. And it's all very touch and go. And Alexander's in this um, incubator yeah. and, and he may. And Norman just leaves her <laughs> and basically says, well, my mom said <laughs> that maybe I'm not the dad. <laughs> Bye. How <laughs> awful. And oh this is related God. to, and this is what I adore about Muriel, but also what's so heartbreaking about her is because she just takes the world at face value. Mm. You know, there isn't a cynical bone in her no. body. So basically in high school, she kind of got a name for herself as being a little bit promiscuous mm. because she thought the guys were interested in her. She would, you know, go around the back of the bicycle shed or wherever the equivalent is in America yeah. and the mall. Um, yeah. And, you know, she would make out with them. And then she was totally used. Yeah, she was used and, and basically in school then after the weekend on the Monday morning, they would they would ghost her, you know, they would yeah. never speak to her. And so the, the Norman's mother suggests to Norman that she still does this and he's probably not the uh, not the dad because all my children were, you know, very yeah. healthy. Um, and this sickly little thing, it doesn't look like Norman. So basically she's left on her own. But in very typical Muriel Pritchett style, and she's so optimistic in spite of mm. oh, the know, card she's been dealt. Yeah. yeah. Um, she talks about, um, she tells Macon that it, it was one of the happiest times in her life when she was in the hospital because like Alexander was cocooned mm, in this incubator. Safe. She was cocooned in the ICU. She was surrounded by nurses and doctors, all of whom wanted to help. And um, she imagines one night when she's looking out um, of the hospital window uh, and she sees, you know, an ambulance coming in and someone being carried in on a stretcher uh, into the emergency room. She imagines if um, aliens landed right then at that moment and saw humans 
they would think that human beings are just the kindest and most compassionate wow. and caring and oh. helpful species ever. It's that's beautiful. that's yeah, the that's thought. That's just gorgeous. And I, that that's, when Macon, that's when Macon um, kisses her. And like it's so out of character for mm. him. And I, rereading it, I was like, get yeah. off her, you filthy old man. <laughs> but at the time, back in my early 20s, I was swept away with the romance of it. Yes. And delighted I'm, for her that she's, Delighted yeah, for her, the, delighted for him. Um, but yeah, rereading it, I definitely had that. Um, no, 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 she deserves better than you. Yeah. But I definitely think, yeah, Muriel, for Muriel, Macon is a father figure. Yeah. He's a bit of stability. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of financial support. Yeah. And, um, but definitely he's getting the the better deal oh, for, for in sure. that relationship. Yeah, for sure he yeah. is. So he moves in with, with Muriel and hence we find Sarah re-enters the story. Why do you think Sarah's why? come back? I mean, I, like why? I don't know. I, okay, well this is my this is my theory. For she decides she it's her decision. She's leaving yes. Macon, yes. and um, and really, I and think you can really see why. You can really <laughs> yeah. see why he corrects her as well. And mm. um, their kid dies, and he spends most of the time giving away Ethan's like bicycle and fishing rod and skateboard. Oh. Well, we're not going to be using it. It's just like gathering dust <laughs> in the yeah. garage. It's like it's so heartless, and even though she knows that he's hurting deeply, but he cannot express himself. Yes, and so eventually, you know, she just can't take it. Anyway, she leaves him. Yeah, but then sets up on her own and is delighting in her mess and her, you know, just not being put into the box that he wants her to be exactly. in. And you can feel the relief. So I'm like, yes. why do you go back Why for? are you going back? But I think, you know the way, it's it's okay if you break up with someone, but then if they turn around and they're right. with someone so, else, kind of fairly immediately, it's like, uh, hang on, wait. Yeah. There's supposed to be a period of mourning, yes. I thought. Or the I don't want you, but I don't want anyone else to have you either. I, there's a bit of that. I think there's I a bit think. of that. And then and that Muriel's also, a younger woman, maybe. Oh God, yeah. And then that Muriel has the kids. And she has the Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's got to hurt. Yeah. That's yeah, really yeah. gotta hurt. So, and I also think that, you know, they've been married for 20 years, probably mm. not quite 20, but, you know, coming, they've been married for many, many yes. years. And there is, you know, there's comfort in that familiarity, even though, even if the familiarity yeah. isn't particularly comforting. Yeah. There's still, it's familiar. Yeah. And it's the world that you know. And you and feel that, you might get that place back, that safe kind of, I don't know, maybe yeah. striving for that feeling that you once had, that, yes, like, as you yeah, say, I familiarity. Yeah, there's always, yeah, there's always hope. Their that, home is still there. And yeah, there's, there's, and, and also, I think, a big draw for Sarah is Ethan. Yeah. Because there's a, because obviously Ethan is, you know, like Macon is Ethan's dad. Mm-hmm. And so maybe she feels that the memory of Ethan might be compromised if they're not together. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It it beggars belief yeah. really. Why yeah. she yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I offer you these few crumbs. Yeah. It is all I have. So, so suddenly he's got two women who My want God. to. And like it's just it makes me want to shout yeah. at, at the book. I know. Um I'm like, why? Why does a guy called like Macon get to have these two fantastic, Fantastic. Mm. beautiful women? Like in the movie, they're played by Kathleen Turner plays Sarah. (laughs) And then Gina Davis uh, plays Muriel Pritchett. She win the Oscar. She got Best Supporting Actor for that. Yeah, Yeah, well done. It was it was nominated for for a glut of awards. But that was the one that was the Oscar that it won. And so, yeah. 
But there's making going eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Which one shall I pick? I just don't know. Oh my God, what to do, what to do? I can see what they see in me, can't you? No. No, we cannot. So I, so, I don't right, know if we yeah. said that Muriel Pritchett is the dog trainer. I don't know. Did you say yes, that Yes, I did. Yeah, I said he couldn't find anyone to mind Edward, so Muriel was Oh, well, I have to say now, just as an aside, I'd say Dogs Trust would have something to say about Muriel's method I, I would. Oh training. my God, she she chokes the dog basically and everything doesn't chokes she? them basically hangs them off the end of their lead yeah. suspends them in yeah. the air and he doesn't like that no he, no, he doesn't really like that and, and mm. that's kind of we see actually um, the human side of Macon in his reaction in his, his interaction with Edward yes. the dog yeah. Yeah. he does yeah. really care about him and when people suggest to him that um, that Edward be put down, put down yeah. um, he says well you know he was Ethan's dog mm-hmm. and, and there is such there's there's such beauty yeah. there in, mm. in his relationship with the dog yes. and, and you know you do feel for him oh you do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no for sure you do but it's funny with Miriam as well you almost imagine how she even fell into dog training like it's, it's all sort of so um it's just her stuff everything about her is so unusual I suppose in that way that, yeah you know, she did, did, and chaotic and chaotic like she has about 50 jobs yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He goes to New York yeah. he um he has a bit of a panic attack for himself mm. oh god yeah that's really frightening it's, it's a not, brilliant scene it's a brilliant scene you really feel that so he's on yeah. like one of these revolving restaurants yeah that is up like really, really high, high in New York like you know one of these skyscraper mm-hmm. situations 100 floor stories up and uh, he's just looking out the window and then he gets this sense and you really it's a brilliantly written scene where he feels himself so far away yeah. from anything that yeah. he knows and loves and he feels himself invisible in the world and you know everything tilts and he's dizzy and, you know, he he reaches out to Muriel, actually. Yes. Um, no, first of all, he rings home. First of all, he rings home and Edward is, um, he's got one of his brothers pin, penned into. <laughs> Locked into, a, into the pantry. <laughs> yes, into yeah. the pantry. And then he rings Muriel. And Muriel tells him that um, he's really brave. That, you know, he's he got up in that restaurant. He yeah. went all the way up all by himself, even though he was scared of heights and that he's so brave and she'd love to, you know, do mm. that with him. And and she thinks, you know, very highly of him. Muriel, yeah. you know, she comforts him mm. and she really helps. But she could just hang up the phone on him. She let's could be just honest. hang up he's the phone because um, they they're they're not really speaking to each other yeah. at, this, at this point. And uh, but she helps him. She talks him down from mm. the edge. He comes back home and he goes back with Sarah, mm. who has made it clear that she wants him back. Mm. Which is, you know, you just know it's not the right thing. Yeah. It's just not the right thing for him. It's not the right thing for Sarah. And you can also tell that they're, they're, they're both just, you know, settling back into the old grooves yeah. of their routine. Yes. You know, and I suppose, yeah, as we've said before, there's a bit of comfort in mm-hmm. that. But obviously... It, Do you think maybe that was done because... You would he would have coveted Sarah for the rest of his life, but the fact that he got a second chance and he saw for the second time that no, this isn't you know what he thought it was. Perhaps is that why yeah. Anne wrote that? Yeah, that he had to see what yeah. it was like going back. Yeah, because he had all these ideas in his head once she left him that really his life's purpose was to get her back. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, all the way through, he does think she's so superior to Muriel. Like he points out all Muriel's faults all the time. It's very interesting, I think, t- to want somebody back so much. But then when you go back and analyse the life you have together and it's just not anything like what he was doing with Muriel. Oh like, you God, know, it's, yeah. it's, they're just chalk and cheese, yeah, the two yeah. existence. So, you know, there is that moment where he goes, aha, 
So what happens is he's back with Sarah. Yes. And he doesn't really explain to Muriel. You know, she does mm-hmm. ring a few times yeah. uh, from Meow Bao, where she works. <laughs> Meow Bao. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, but he just gets back into his old life as if that period in his life when he was with Muriel, that really exciting yeah. period, um, just hadn't, it was just a little blip, mm-hmm. you know, on his horizon. And he thinks he can just manage by, you know, just plodding along. Yeah. And it'll be fine. And uh, so then he has to go to Paris for work. Yes. And um, Muriel has asked him so many times, would she take him? She, she wants, so to, go wants to, to go to Paris. She wants to go to Paris. Yeah. And I think this is really mean. Like, this is during when, when they're together. He says, no, like, who's going to pay for that? <laughs> like, you pay for it, old man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got money. Yeah, Just he's pay not for kind is, is to her mean? at all. He's yeah, mean. he's, he's mean. miserable. Like. Yeah. So anyway, he's not going to take her, obviously, because they've split up. Yeah. Um, and then, so he's off to Paris and he gets on his flight. He flies to New York and <laughs> he gets on his flight from um, JFK to Paris. And guess who's on the flight? <laughs> it's the Muriel herself. <laughs> you like, go, excuse me, can I just sit here? May I please? All her bags and baggage and all, all her bags wonderful. and baggage. She's got this mad system of childcare set up for <laughs> Alexander. Because, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. <laughs> yeah. And it really does. Yeah. And she lives on Singleton Street and she knows all the neighbours. And basically her sister, between her sister and her work colleagues and her neighbours everyone's going to get a turn to mind Alexander and he's just going to be passed from pillar to post. But he's absolutely fine because he knows them all. Yeah, and they all love him and it was done for many centuries, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas Macon is like, who's looking after Alexander? You know, and um, in a rather judgmental kind of way. But I don't understand why Muriel... Like, I, I want her to go to Paris, mm-hmm. but I don't understand why she's um, chasing, you know, she's, yeah, she's, she's kind of stalking, stalking him. him a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like in 1985, yeah. that was probably okay. Yeah. <laughs> stalking was fine. Now, be, excuse me, ma'am, <laughs> can you put your hands behind your back? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So anyway, he's really mad. Yes. He's not happy at all. No. And she's like, well, you know, screw you. I'm going to Paris anyway. I've always wanted to go. You yeah. were, I want asked you, would you take me? You said no. Then you left me yes and so you know here I am here I am I'm going anyway I've got my own agency (laughs) you know um so they are both on the flight to Paris but they don't they're in different seats they don't really speak to each other and then Macon does his usual in Paris like his whole his whole modus operandi with the writing of the accidental tourist guidebooks is basically um advising you know businessmen how to feel like they haven't actually left Left. the comfort (laughs) of their own front rooms like, you know <laughs> you know trying to eat yeah. in Paris and he advises them where you can go and get American you know pancakes yeah. and, and like American coffee yeah. like you're in Paris know, mate it, it's so like the Shirley Valentine <laughs> when she goes to work in Spain and the English couple well I do you mash and spoil you know, whatever egg, <laughs> egg and, and chips, chips. Yeah. egg and chips yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's calamari <laughs> That is our making Leary. Yeah, that is it's just yeah, terrific. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Muriel is there, she wants to test, sample everything, sample, yeah. taste, she live. wants to feel, she wants everything. to live life, and he's yes. terrified of life. Yeah, like, yeah I think yeah. that's the that's their juxtapositions together, that's isn't the it? Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, so they have their separate, yeah, you know. Carries carryings on in mm-hmm. Paris. She's yeah. sightseeing. Yes. She's dressed up so beautifully, yeah. and uh, he's there in his usual, you know, three piece suit yeah. and uh, going around trying to find all the American repulsive <laughs> restaurants. Yeah. And um, and all of a sudden, then he does his back in. He's incapacitated, actually, mm. isn't he? 
It's almost like he manifests these things, isn't it? When when things are really tough, he kind of like the, breaks the leg or the yeah. back. It's just... I think you're right. I think he can't, he just can't handle it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, he and he doesn't even do anything. No, he, he doesn't. He literally yeah. just kind of sits up in the bed or yeah. something and goes into a complete <laughs> spasm. And of course, dun, 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 to the rescue, it is Sarah yeah. comes all the way over. Wow. You know, from Baltimore. Yeah. Um, like she really wants him back. <laughs> she does. <laughs> like, Sarah, really? Are you sure, honey? Um, so she arrives over and she knows exactly what to do because this has happened before and she's all very familiar so she gives him, she doles out his medication. Yeah. She gets him to go to sleep. She orders there, food there, for him. There, 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 little yeah, friend. Little be okay. And um, and she seems very happy in that role. Yeah, you know, catering to him, yes. minding him. Um, that's I don't it's know. It's a mothering role, maybe that she's just missed. That you know, she's missing because of Ethan. The, yeah, mm, yeah, maybe mm. it's that. And um, so yeah, what happens is she spots. She spots me, yeah. of course, yeah. Mm. And she's not all that happy. I mean, Megan tries his best to explain and she kind of believes Yeah, I don't that. know why. <laughs> you know, well, I wouldn't believe that, would you? I she just of, got but, on my But flight. for Megan, yeah. I kind of would believe it because it's not so. like he's the type to sort of orchestrate this, you know, uh, tryst yeah. in Paris with, with his love air. He'd have that in himself even. <laughs> I yeah. don't think you no. could never... Uh, Imagine yeah. making, you know, doing anything like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she sees Muriel, and I kind of, I think she buys his story, or else she just wants to believe yeah. it. But she's just, you know, she just arrived, and she's he doesn't want her there, and all this kind of stuff. So, in the end, um, apropos of nothing, really. Yeah. Towards the end of the mm. book, um, yeah. Sarah is still ministering to him, mm-hmm. and uh, she gives him his tablet, and he doesn't, he doesn't take it. You know, does he put it under his tongue or something? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like an inmate in an <laughs> asylum. <laughs> One flew over the cuckoo's nest, you know, and um, misery. And, but it's kind of like, even though it's this quiet little moment, yeah. when he decides he's not going to take the tablet. Yeah, it's it is kind of the point, the, 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 the point in the book where Macon kind of, you know, has some agency where he makes, makes a, decision a decision yeah and where he yeah. takes control yeah. of his life yeah and he says no do you know what um i'm i'm gonna get up i'm gonna get dressed i've work to do i'm not taking those painkillers and by the way when i go home i'm you know we're 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 going to we're going to split up yeah you know, and Sarah takes it quite well. Yeah, she? she does actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you almost get at that point that she was totally clutching at straws herself. I think so. You too. know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then what's kind of gorgeous, and it is sort of romantic, um, it, and it does have a sort of a my fair lady sort of um, uh, uh, an aura yes. to it. Yeah, is when he gets out um, of the hotel, and then he gets in his taxi. And he's heading off and then um, the sun, it has been raining, yeah. but the sun comes out. <laughs> so epic. Like. Yeah. And then on the street, hailing a taxi, who do we see? Muriel. <laughs> I know, it shouldn't be. It's just so, it's just so beautiful. It's isn't gorgeous. It? Yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah. it's so satisfying. Yes, I know. That's so why, he sees yeah. her and she sees him. And through the windscreen of the taxi, you know, they smile at each other. And that's kind of... That's pretty much That's the end. That's where we do it. You know, yeah. so, you know, it's left up to you, the yeah. reader. But of course, you certainly my early 20s self was like, yeah. Yay. And they all live happily <laughs> ever after. <laughs>
<laughs> now I think, do you know what? They were together for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Macon hopefully bought Britain Muriel a house. Yes. And he put Alexander through private school because in America, and going like to public care. Yeah. You can't go to public school in America because you will get shot. Yes. Probably even back in, in 1985. Yeah. So, and he had said to her, he had suggested to her that that he pay for Alexander yes. to go to private school. Yes, but she right. said, yeah, but you can't, if you're going to do that, how long, you know, he can't just go for just, one year. And then you feck you, off on you us. You feck yeah, off, yeah, back to yeah. Sarah or whatever. So, yeah, that's what I think now. Yeah. She stayed with him for a couple of years. She fleeced him for every penny <laughs> he got. And then she met someone young and really handsome. Some woman called Joanne. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and they Joanne. lived happily ever Joanne after. and Muriel <laughs> yeah. up the tree. Yeah. The end. It's just, uh, it's such a satisfying read. So that was The Accidental Tourist by Anne Tyler. If you haven't read that book, we recommend that you do. And if you have read it, we definitely recommend that you reread it. We absolutely do. Don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram at BookBirds. Thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.